This is KB Sane. Welcome to the very first episode of the Black Theatre History Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the people, the plays, and the rich stories of the American theater's African-American history makers. We begin this journey today with the people and the organization that have made it possible for me to bring you this series, the Black Theatre Network. This past summer, in August of 2016, during the Black Theatre Network's 30th anniversary conference, in a partnership with StoryCorps and NPR, I was able to sit down with Dr. Ethel Pitts Walker, who served as the first president of BTN. I asked her to speak with me about the organization's origins. The original goal of the organization was to find a place where we could exist once the American Theater Association dissolved. And when all of that dissolved, everybody was looking for a place to go. We were not the only group that were under them that had no place. And I think our goal was to figure out how to find something different and unique. One of the things we came up with, we didn't want to be an organization that met once a year and delivered papers to have scholars just come up give papers, talk about it, and go home. We wanted something else. We wanted something that connected these various people with each other across the country, because there were so few of us. And the only time we ever saw each other was when we went to a conference. So we had no way of being a part of each other's life. And I think, more importantly, it was an opportunity to marriage the academic people with the practitioners, because most of the people who were coming to the Black Theater Association under ATA were academic. Mm -hmm. And it was almost as if those people who were just professional directors or actors or something, they drop in, but they feel left out. They, they didn't really have a place. We knew we had to provide that. And that, for me, became, I think, what I wanted to do with it. This would have been in 1986. 1986. What, what were the challenges of creating a network in 1986? I mean, this is before computers were in every single room. This is before (laughs) the internet was in our pockets. How did you do it? We didn't have any of that. Most of us were on the phone. We wrote letters to each other. We were using the phone whenever we could. I think our biggest challenge was just staying in touch. And the newsletter helped us in many ways uh, with Vaughn Washington. It was a struggle because we didn't know what we were doing, more important than anything. None of us had any idea what we were doing. We weren't sure we would succeed. What we did know is that we wanted to keep this thing going. And so we had to do and cross whatever hurdles we could cross. And when we did meet once a year, then we had these massive discussions and arguments and debates about where we should take the next step. What we were trying to do was to hammer out a direction. And we didn't know what that direction was, but we knew we had made the right decision to go separate from what is now ATHA. We knew that 
that was the right decision, no matter what happened. Uh, we were willing to do it. Can you tell me the story of how that actually happened? How we, uh, <laughs> well, again, when you're lost, you have to find your way out, and that's what we were. The, uh, for, uh, for most of us who were in the Black Theater Association, we're relatively young. There were some older people who were our mentors and teachers who were in there who really thought the best thing for us to do was to go with AFA because that's what they knew. Uh, it was a wonderful time of revolution when you don't know anything. You can just make all kinds of stupid decisions and <laughs> think, oh, well, I know what's best for us. And that's a part of what we were trying to do. Our discussions were about, and so what do we do? Do we go on our own? If we go on our own, how do we finance ourselves? That was actually the number one question. And we really didn't have an answer. We were having them, um, uh, everybody talks about us walking down the street in New York eating the apple pie. That's what the discussion was about. It really wasn't about the apple pie. We were just hungry. But on the street, there were like seven or eight people having this discussion, debate, about how we were going to make it work. And we'd go back to the hotel, and we'd sit in the lounge, and we'd have more debates and fight. What were you arguing about? We... I think most of the conversation was about we couldn't make it. We could not do this. And I'm not exactly sure what made us think we could, except the alternative seemed to be worse than failure on our part, because the alternative was that we would not be autonomous. We'd always be under the... I said the thumb, but people were very nice in Asa to us. They wanted us. But we wouldn't be controlling our own destiny. Mm -hmm. And there was something about the fact that if we were going to fail, we wanted to be able to do it on our own. Can you, do you remember who all was there? Oh, my God. Who was there? Uh, Ronnie, who became the vice president. Adele and Austin answered Anderson now. Uh, Kathy Irving was there. Uh, Buddy Butler was there. Judith Stevens Lawrence. Uh, Frida uh, was there. My husband Phil was there. Winona Fletcher, mm -hmm. Joan Lewis, Thomas Pauley, Errol Hill, who was violently against us taking. He was the most ardent one. Uh, Ludiana. And so those were some of the people who were really in this discussion. And they provided all these different avenues as to whether or not we really should take this, this thing and do something with it. And I'm not sure when we left New York if we really knew what we were doing at all. I know, I think I believed we would probably get through one year. Um, that's about as far as I could see it. So when you talk about a vision, it sounds real lofty now. You know, we look <laughs> at all that and we say, oh, yeah, we really knew that's what we were going to do. I don't think any of us Why really. Not? What was your we, biggest concern? What was the problem? How to finance. It, interesting enough, finance became very important. How were you going to communicate with these people across the country? If you went on your own, who was going to actually finance a space? Mm -hmm. 
most of the people who were in there lived on college, worked on college campuses. We could get space, so we could go to Atlanta, and we had Clark Atlanta College mm -hmm. there. And there were so many resources that Joan Lewis had on that campus that she could bring to us. So we had classrooms we didn't have to pay for. We had technical staff that nobody had to pay for. So we just had to find out how were we going to live in a hotel? Well, we found a relatively inexpensive hotel we could do. And then we found out, well, how are we going to communicate? Well, we come up with this system of we've got a, a newsletter we can put out. And we don't have to pay the editor anything. And, and then we had to figure out, well, how are we going to get it out? And Vernell Lilly said, well, I'm at the University of Pittsburgh. I'm just going to stick it in with my regular mail. Because we didn't, I mean, at the time, we must have had maybe 30 or 40 people. So for the first couple of years, those resources were important to us in getting things done. And I think that's how we did it. Thank you, Ethel. This is the Black Theater History Podcast. I'm KB Sane. For more of the stories, the people, and the history, log on to blacktheaterpodcast.com. That's theater with an R-E. Our music is by Kaya Caterhurst from the album Nine Pin, which can be found on iTunes and wherever else fine music is sold. And while you're online, like our Facebook page and subscribe to the Black Theater History Podcast. We've got a lot more to learn. Thanks for listening.